I love you so much. I want you to thrive. I know that we're in a season right now uh, where it is easy for us to lose focus, to lose heart even perhaps, uh, to lose perspective. And now here we are in the holidays and we're kind of divided sometimes, aren't we? Like when we think about the holidays, uh, we think about that awesome smell of Thanksgiving, the turkey, maybe the ham. Who's turkey? Who, who enjoys the turkey? Who's the turkey? <laughs> Dale. <laughs> Who's ham? Who enjoys the ham? So whatever it is that you love, like we just start thinking about that, right? As we turn into November, we think about the dressing and the stuffing. <sighs> then we think about Christmas. And there's a part of us that just takes a breath and there's a part of us that starts to get a little stressed out. And I have to tell you, we're in a stressful season of life. Can I just say that this morning? We're in a global pandemic. We're in the craziest weird election cycle I've ever been through. Now we're counting votes, or we called it yesterday, wherever we're at. I don't want cheers or booze this morning. But it's just a stressful time. I am stressed by all of this, I have to tell you. And then I step off the platform this morning. Evan says, Pastor, did you hear? I'm like, hear what? It's 2020, right? There was an earthquake off of New Bedford. I'm like, what? This morning there was an earthquake right down the road. Can it get any more 2020 than this? And now it's November and we're here at the holidays. And I'm just thinking, are we stressed out enough or not? Now we're thinking about one or two things, maybe three. We're thinking about... The awkward conversations that might happen at your Thanksgiving table, you know, the uncle or the aunt or the whoever that shows up and just loves to say whatever it is, right? Or we're stressed out because we're worried, will we get to sit with somebody at Thanksgiving? Or there's an empty chair. We're grieving. There's the empty chair that wasn't empty last year, but for whatever reason, it's empty this year. It's just, just it, can be a, it can be a season of stress. <laughs> and I was even careful, like, how much do I say about this at the beginning of the message? Because I don't want, you know, I don't want your blood pressure to rise while I'm opening the word for you this morning and sharing with you God's word. But I just want to be real with you. This is a strange, weird, hard, stressful, anxiety-ridden time. And if you've been able to cruise through this with no no stress. God bless you. We need you to write a book on this stuff because one of these things is enough to really stress us out, but you put all of them together. It's just a hard season of life. But I love you, and I want you to understand this morning that you can thrive in this season of life. Now, it's not it's not because of my excellent teaching. It's not because this church is perfect and we don't ever make any mistakes and everything's always perfect here. It's not because you're so strong and you have willpower that just never ends. No, it is because of the power of God that we can thrive in this season. And so I just thought the best thing for us to do is to push pause and to lean in on that thought for the next couple of weeks. How do we thrive in the holidays, I don't want for us to just survive them. I don't want for us to just exist through them. I don't want for us to just make it through them. I want for us to ring in 2021, looking back going, yeah, it was weird. It was tough. But wow, God was all over the place. Wow, God blessed me beyond my 
wildest imagination. And so that's why I want for us to look in some, some places in God's word and really discover what it means to thrive during the holidays. So if you're a guest today, I want you to understand this is a great place for you wherever you are in your spiritual life. If you're online or you're here with us this morning and you're a guest, we welcome you. We love you. Oh, we encourage you to get a copy of the Bible because we open it every week. If you don't have a copy, we'd love to give you one. But this morning we are going to be in a, in a part of the Bible that's called the Gospel of John. And that's in the New Testament. If you're unfamiliar with where to find stuff in the Bible, you can either just turn like to the back and it's somewhere back there. You can look at the table of contents. But we're going to be in the 10th chapter of John. And we're going to begin to unpack. We're not going to finish everything that we want to say today about thriving during the holidays. But we are going to begin the conversation. And we're going to allow King Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, to begin to shape how we think about what it means to thrive during the holidays. Again, I know that you face incredible difficulties. We face them as a society. You face them as individuals. You probably are carrying some burdens with you that we don't carry and that we don't know about. And yet they're collective burdens that we're all walking through right now. But I want you to know this morning that I stand in front of you and make this declaration. You can thrive in Christ in whatever season of life you find yourself in. So whether you're at a joyous place in life and you're saying, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm doing great. Praise God for you. I'm glad that you're doing great. Or you're, you're here and you're struggling and your heart's broken and you're confused and you're exhausted spiritually. I want you to know that you can thrive in the season of life. Jesus talks to us about what that looks like in John chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, grab it. We're going to look at it this morning in John chapter 10. And Jesus is talking about what we discuss as the I am statements. Now in the Old Testament, when God said to Moses, I want you to go tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. They're not going to live in slavery anymore. Moses was a little timid. And Moses couldn't figure out why it is that God called him to go do this work. And at one point, Moses says to God, God, what am I going to tell the Pharaoh if he says, who sent you? And God says, you tell them that I am sent you. And God was talking about himself in the phrase, I am. And so in the New Testament, when Jesus begins to talk about himself and he says, I am, I am the way and the truth and the life, or I am the good shepherd, or I am the gate, or I am the door, or I am the resurrection of the life. There is no missing it from the people that were listening to Jesus say it. He was equating himself to the God who was speaking to Moses. He was equating himself to God. So the first thing, Thing I want for us to do before we ever look at the scripture this morning or start filling out our notes and our note sheet is to understand without a doubt 100% Jesus believed that he was God and that's important because oftentimes you may interact with people who say I, I don't know why you worship Jesus he, he, he never claimed to be God oh he did he did he was absolutely convinced that he was God which is why 
He had the authority to die on the cross for our sins. He was a perfect human, and he was perfect God. Now, that's a whole other uh, series, I understand, the Trinity and how to understand it. But I just want you to, to feel the significance this morning when we open to John 10, and we hear Jesus using the phrase, I am. It is incredibly theologically important that Jesus would use that phrase. So let's look in John 10, 10 this morning. We're going to start in verse 7. John 10, verse 7, and we're going to read through verse 7, 8, 9, and 10 this morning. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Now, before we read that last verse, let's pause. Would you look at verse 9, and would you notice what Jesus says? Anyone who enters the door. I just want to make this point. He doesn't say anyone who believes there's a door. He doesn't say anyone who knocks on the door. He he doesn't say anyone who believes I'm the door. Jesus says in verse 9, if anyone enters by me. I want you to understand something this morning. Biblical education is fantastic. Doctrinal integrity is important at this church. The education of the young and the middle-aged and the old and and what what God's word says, all of that is important. But please hear me this morning. The key to you have an eternal life is not that you know the door exists. It's that you enter through Jesus. That's what he's saying to these people that he's talking to. I am the door for the sheep. Everybody who came before me, thieves and robbers. But I am the door, and if somebody enters through me, they will have life. Then he says, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Lord, this is your word. We confess it. We celebrate it. We yield ourselves to it. And as we begin this series on thriving in the holidays, we fully believe that your word has a power to transform our life. And we submit to it right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you have your note sheet. You see that we're going to take some notes. We're going to do two different things. We're going to talk about the thief. We're going to talk about the door, Jesus, and his bold declaration. Now, in our home, there's a little trick that my kids play on my wife. They love to come behind her and move stuff. She'll go to the refrigerator, put some ice in her cup, put some water, and then she'll set it down and she'll go over here. And all three of my kids do that. They have figured out this is the funnest thing in the house, which I like because it's free entertainment. They'll come up, they'll just... They're like ninjas right now. They're so good at it. Just like, boom, they'll just grab it and move it. She'll turn around. What? Am I crazy? Let me just tell you, never answer that question. (laughs) What? Uh, 
Caleb, Sophia, Hannah. And, and every day this happens. She's always turning around going, wait a second. Did somebody take that? Almost like it surprises her every single time. Well, it does surprise her every time. She's always, wait a second. Wasn't that just, did somebody come? The, what, what happened? Somebody took that from me. You know, the reason I say that to you is because that's a great way for us to like start to wrap our mind around the first part of verse 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Have you ever in your life just got the sense that something was working against you? Like you do something and you set it up on the counter and you turn around and then you come back to it and it's like, wait a second, what just happened? I said, that was supposed to work well. I prayed about that. God led me to that. I'm trying to do that. And then somebody came behind when my back was turned and did something to undo it. I want you to know something this morning. There is an enemy that is devoted to destroying your health. And I want to say that to you this morning. You say, well, we're supposed to talk about thriving. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I want for us to talk about first John chapter 10, verse 9a, the A part, the first part of that verse. Because this is important for Jesus to communicate this to the people that are going to follow him. It is important to Jesus that people understand that there's a thief or a robber or an enemy that is opposed to their health. Jesus wants people to know that. Not in a sense to make people afraid, but just for people to be aware and just like my wife will put her cup or her plate or whatever it is, and she'll turn away and then she'll look back and lo and behold, somebody's messed with it. Maybe you have felt that way before. Maybe there's a time in your life where you're really trying to take steps for God. You're really trying to mend and find peace in your relationships. You're really trying to serve God. You're really, you're really trying to make your life count and have an impact and you turn around and you go, wait a second. It just feels like someone's messing with what I've been doing. Well, it's because there really is an enemy. And that enemy really is at work. And I think it's so important for us to have this understanding that the enemy is real. Satan isn't a metaphorical figure designed to talk about wickedness and unrighteousness. See, when Jesus talked about the thief, he talked in, in actual terms. You don't get any sense from Jesus that this thief is a metaphorical figure or a mythical figure. Jesus speaks of the enemy as though the enemy is real. And I want you to know this morning that one of the greatest victories of hell is to convince you that the enemy doesn't really exist. Because when you don't believe that there's an enemy, you let your guard down. Now, it is true that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And it is true that when I put on the armor of God, I can stand against anyone, not in my power, but in the power of Almighty God. But if I don't believe that there's an enemy, I'm going to start taking off that armor. 
the enemy is real. And the enemy is opposed to you thriving. And the enemy is opposed to me thriving. The enemy is opposed to the kingdom of God thriving. Not only is the enemy real, but the enemy has an active and strategic plan for each of our downfalls. Now, again, I know this isn't uh, the stuff that gives you goosebumps. (laughs) This isn't the stuff that's encouraging to hear, but it's real stuff. And you deserve to know that just like there's a God in heaven who is madly in love with you, designed you on purpose, has a purpose for you in life, you also have to understand that there is an enemy that seeks to, what did the scripture say? Steal, kill, and destroy. How offensive is that? If there was a person in life, a human being in life, and you became convinced that that person wanted to either steal from you or take life in your family or destroy your spiritual life or your family, you would be offended at that person. And rightfully so. I would be ready to box. I'd be ready to fight. I was trying to think about How do I communicate two things, the danger of this enemy, but then how do I communicate what a proper response would be? Because I don't want us to live in fear. We're not to be people of fear. That's not what the word of God says, but we are to be people on guard. And we are to be people who understand that there's an enemy that seeks to diminish and discredit the kingdom of God. How do I communicate that? I thought to myself, what if, what if I came in here during the service and I let a snake out onto the floor? Now, I didn't. Don't look around. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But would you just think about how, what your emotions would be like? What you would be thinking if I'm up here preaching the word of God and celebrating Jesus and, or Evan is, and the team is like leading us in worship and you were convinced that there was like this six foot long snake slithering around your feet somewhere, you wouldn't be able to focus. You would be, you know, you may be dancing then, right? You'd be dancing as the, the music's playing. You'd be thinking, I have to, where's this snake at? I've got to be cautious. I've got to be on guard. Listen, that's what I'm talking about. In real life, there is a real enemy out there slithering around that wants to destroy us. And the last thing I'll say about John 10, 9a, we think about a thief who seeks to destroy, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. I would say this to you. The thief is not the only person in your life who opposes your spiritual health. The thief is not the only one. I want to say this to you. You probably know someone. Students, it may be a classmate. Professionals, it may be a co-worker. Or... Perhaps it's just a friend, a friend we know in real life or a digital friend on social media that pretends to care about what goes on in your life, but really 
they're just entertained by the dysfunction that they see in our lives. There are some people in our life that is interested in our drama and our trauma and our chaos and our brokenness and our, our hurt because they're entertained by it. Now, it's uncomfortable to hear that. It's uncomfortable to say it. But it is true that there are some people in your life who act like they care, but they're entertained by your pain. And so then, if you were to make the commitment this morning, I'm going to thrive in the holidays. You're going to take away their entertainment. Now, doesn't that sound petty? Of course it does. I'm not saying this is good stuff. I'm just telling you this is real stuff. There are some people that are attracted to the drama that goes on in your life. And they may ask you questions that make you think they care. How so-and-so? No, he didn't. She didn't. Well, just so I can pray, tell me what happened next. And they're attracted to our brokenness because it's entertaining to them. It could be that part of the stress of the holidays for you is that there's going to be someone sitting at your table that loves to create those types of moments. Or they love to create drama. Or they love to create crisis. And you know they're going to roll into town and stir up a bunch of problems and eat your turkey and then go home. You can thrive through that. The enemy isn't the only one that doesn't want to see you thrive. Lastly, it could be that you, you enjoy the dysfunction of your life so much that you really don't want to release it to God. It's what you've known for so long. You have lived in that brokenness, in that chaos for so long. When we say you can thrive, you say, I don't even know what that means anymore. And if you were to start to thrive, it would startle you. You may push back on it a little bit because it would be something new for you. You see what I mean this morning when I tell you the enemy isn't the only one in life that isn't cheering for you to thrive. Now, we are going to make a strong and powerful shift right now in the message away from the thief and the people that want to see us fall and start focusing on what Jesus said because he made a bold declaration. I mean, he's talking to these people. He is saying powerful and provocative things when he says, I am. I am the door for the sheep. Everybody who came before me were thieves and robbers. I am the door. And if a sheep will enter through me, I will save that sheep and that sheep will have a pasture to lie down in. And he says, look, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And then he says this incredible declaration, but I came that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. So if you're looking at your notes, you see that we're going to make two important points about Jesus' bold declaration as he talks about abundant life. 
Because that's what we're talking about for, for, for the rest of November. What does it mean to have that abundant life? What does it mean for Zach Nicholson to live in 2020 thriving in that abundant life through all of the things that we're going through and sickness and the pandemic and not just the pandemic and physical sickness, but my friends who disagree with the sickness on whether or not we should wear masks or take, uh, stay six feet apart or do whatever because that's a whole nother set of anxiety or the election or the holidays or all of these things that stress me out. How can I listen to John 10, 10 and step into that abundant life? I want you to understand two things. The first is this. Jesus's declaration is widely misunderstood. His, his promise of abundant life is oftentimes misunderstood. Let me say it like this. Have, we're at the holidays. Have you ever seen a small child open a gift? It is the most fun thing to watch. Their excitement in their eyes. I mean, you can just literally see the light in their eyes. They're excited the way they hold their face and the anticipation and the excitement and the way that they rip through that paper and they get to the box and they're trying to get the box open and they finally get it open. And it's something they don't want. And they go from here And if you're the parent, that's the worst thing. You're like, say thank you, Johnny. Say thank you, Susie. Smile. They can't. They can't hide it. They are so upset. Now, adults, we can hide it, can't we? Oh, thanks. I was just telling Crystal that I wanted this. What is this again? You know, we can fake it a little bit. Kids can't fake it. It's written all over their face. Why? It isn't because the gift isn't valuable. It isn't because the gift isn't given with love. The only reason that that child is disappointed is because it didn't meet that child's expectations. Now, here's why I say that to you. If we misunderstand what Jesus meant when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. If we think it's this, and that's what we expect when we're opening the box of abundant life, but when we open it, what Jesus really meant was this, we're not gonna be excited. We're not gonna be grateful. We're not gonna be worshipful. We're gonna be let down. And I know that sounds strange to say that God would give us a gift that we would feel let down by. But listen, if we, have, if we misunderstand what it means to have abundant life, we're gonna to get to the place where we feel let down. And if I teach you that abundant life means this, and it's not what abundant life means, and you grab a hold of that promise, and you march out of here and and seek to live for God, and then all of a sudden, you're not getting what it is that I told you was abundant life, you're going to feel let down by God. You're going to say, God didn't come through for me. God wasn't faithful to me. God doesn't care about me. So it's important, isn't it? That we understand what Jesus meant when he said the phrase, abundant life.
I don't want for us to misunderstand that because I don't want for us to set ourselves up to feel like God isn't doing what God said he would do because he's a faithful God. He is a good and gracious king. And that's why over the next several weeks, we're going to be asking that question. What does it look like for a believer to thrive in the context in which we live? We don't have to finish it today. We're going to continue to discuss this over the next several weeks. But as you think about abundant life, as you think about thriving, what do you think about? Oftentimes, culture paints a picture for us for what it means to thrive. Oftentimes, when we say abundant life or thriving in life, it means one of two things or both, plenty of money and no problems. Amen. Most of us would sign up for that. And I'm not saying that either one of those things are a bad thing. I'm just saying that I don't, I'm not convinced that that's what Jesus was thinking when he said abundant life. I hope that you have lots of money. I hope that for you. I hope you have very little problems. I hope that for you. I'm not bashful about saying that. I want God's people to be some of the wealthiest people so that they can fund the mission, so that they can fund the kingdom of God. I have no problem standing up here saying that. But listen to me when I tell you, if you hear Jesus say that he wants to give you abundant life and you immediately think this big fat 401k, I don't think that's what he meant. Or no problems. Guys, I gotta tell you, I've known a lot of great Christians in my life and they all had problems. The Apostle Paul had problems. Jesus himself had problems. I don't think that's what it means. So I want for us to work through what that means over the next several weeks so that as you step forward and grab a hold of that promise, we are sure that what Jesus said and what we hear are the same thing. That's important. So that's the first thing that we understand about Jesus' declaration. It's often misunderstood in our culture. As our culture says, this is what we value and this is what it means to be successful and this is what it means to thrive and et cetera, et cetera. We sometimes can misunderstand what it means when Jesus said abundant life. And we're gonna flesh that out over the next couple of weeks. Second thing about Jesus' declaration is that it's so specific Jesus' declaration is specific and specific specifically in three ways. The the first way that Jesus' declaration is specific is in the fact that Jesus clearly understood his assignment. What I mean by that is that Jesus says, I came so that we could have abundant life. Jesus wasn't confused about who he was, about what his mission was, about what his assignment was. He knew what he was about. He understood specifically what it was that he wanted to accomplish on this earth. I have come 
that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, you probably know that this text was written over 2,000 years ago. So I want to fast forward to this moment, 2020. Right at this moment, I want you to hear me say something to you as though you were the only one in this room. Jesus came so that you could have abundant life. And it isn't hard for us to think about our kids and say, oh, God wants them to have abundant life. Or if you don't have kids, your friends, oh, God wants my friends to have abundant life. Or the people that you care about on your block or your pastor. It's easy for us to see God's love and compassion to others, but we so struggle sometimes to personalize this and to feel valued by God enough to say, no, I am included in this. God wants me to have abundant life for a whole host of reasons. We may struggle with our own self-worth. We may struggle with self-confidence. We may struggle with mental illness and we devalue our own self and our own mind and our own heart. And so we look at ourselves and go, no, I could never have abundant life. Now, this person sitting here next to me could, and this person could, but not me. You just don't, Pastor, you don't know me. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. But I know that Jesus is no liar. And he came so that you could have life. And if you're fighting against that today, oh, my friend, would you release that struggle? And would you just say, Jesus, give me life? There is nothing on this planet that equals that. Nothing. Stepping into the abundant life that Jesus has for us. He knew his assignment. It was specific. The second way that this declaration is specific is it talks about the abundance the abundance of life, not just existence, not just making it through, but he's talking about life and having it abundantly and not just medical life, not just the thing where if you hook us up to some medical uh, uh, apparatus, it can see that my heart is beating. It can see that there's some type of brain activity happening. It can tell you how much oxygen is in my blood. That's not the type of life that I'm talking about. I'm talking about spiritual vitality and not just some life, but abundantly. That is the abundance of Jesus. I have this soap box that I get on sometimes. You know, everybody has them and preachers have too many probably. But I have this one. I get upset sometimes when I see the church Surrendering to this idea of just getting by. If we can just get through, if we could just survive, oh no, that's not what Jesus said. He he didn't say, I came so that people could get by. He said, I came so that people could have abundant life. Now, some of us are in a season of struggle. Some of the people that are sitting close to you have broken hearts and they're struggling in their faith and they're, they're asking the question, perhaps not out loud, nobody's blurted out yet, but maybe in your heart, 
oh, really, Pastor Zach, where's my abundant life? Why am I struggling through this season of life? Why is my heart broken? Why is my life upside down? Why is it that when I try to serve God or seek him, things don't work out? Where's my abundant life? That's a fair question. I believe over the next several weeks, we'll answer that question. But before I answer it with details or facts, I just want you to know we care about your suffering. And we may be able to answer the question, but more than that, we care about the pain. And this is a safe place for you to process whatever pain you may have. And this is a safe place for you to say questions like, well, if we have abundant life, what about? This is a place for you to explore that. And I am fully cognizant of the fact that there are questions that people have about if Jesus wants me to have abundant life, what about this? And we will get to those things. But before I start offering answers, please know I care about the pain. We care about the pain. This is a place of love. And we want to walk with you through your struggle. We want to encourage you to find answers. We want to acknowledge that it is possible for somebody to struggle as they're seeking this abundant life in Jesus. So we see that this is specific. We see it in Jesus' assignment. We see it in the abundance. We also see it in the audience. And when I say audience, what I mean by that, I want to explain this before we go to that last question that I ask you this morning. What I mean by that is that John 10.10 doesn't exist in a vacuum. Jesus is speaking to people and the audience of who he's talking to is really important for us to understand his promise of abundant life. Jesus in verse nine is talking about the sheep that would enter through him as the door into this place where there is salvation, where there is pasture, which means provision and rest. Jesus says, if you will will enter through me, through this door, you will find these things. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that the people who enter by this door would have life and have it abundantly. I just want to make that point for us this morning. Because it may very well be that you're here and you're a religious person. You believe in the existence of God. You're interested in Christianity and and what the Bible teaches about who is Jesus and Christian faith and things of that nature. But I just want to make a point because Jesus made this point. To move from understanding it to experiencing it, you have to walk through the door. You you must step through the door that is Jesus and enter the kingdom of God to have abundant life. And I just want for you to be cognizant of that. I just want for you to consider that as you think about this last question, which is, how deeply do I want to thrive? You know, we've said a lot this morning. We've 
Talked about the fact that there's an enemy. There's a thief. There's a robber who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And how offensive that is. How grotesque it is that there's a being that wants your spiritual life to crumble or your family to fail. We've talked about that. We've talked about the fact that oftentimes we, living in our culture, in our society, misinterpret what Jesus meant when he says abundant life. We've talked about Jesus as the provider of abundant life, not existence, but life. But really the question, when you say all of these things, the question that really just kind of lands in our lap this morning is, how deeply do I want to thrive? How deeply do I want my household to thrive, my friends to thrive, the people sitting near to you to thrive? How hungry am I for the abundant life of Jesus to be spread on the planet more quickly than fear and hate? Hmm. That's a good question this morning for us to think about. I want to leave you with that question. You, you know because of the nature of it that I can't answer it for you. But that's a good question for us to think of as we conclude this morning. We've said a lot of things about abundant life. But I think for you, where you need to work it out is not do I understand this, do I want this? I ask you to consider that this morning. We're going to enter into a season of prayer. First of quiet prayer for you to consider and pray and just sit or stand before God. And then we're going to pray through some of these things before we go this morning. How deeply do you want to thrive this holiday season? Thanks be to God. The good news is that you can. You can thrive as much this season as in any season. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you don't have some grief, some burden, some baggage, some difficulties in your own personal life or the things that we're all collectively dealing with. But thanks be to God as we step through the door that is Jesus, we can have abundant life. Would you stand? Would you take a moment to pray, bow with me, and just spend some time with you and God? Responding to the Lord, seeking the Lord, interceding on your own behalf, praying for yourself as we begin this journey on thriving in the holidays.
would you take a moment and pray for the people standing near to you? Maybe right next to you or in a cluster of chairs nearby. But let's be a family together this morning and pray. Let's pray for those who are online worshiping with us this morning. That not only would we live the abundant life that Jesus offers, but our friends, our brothers and sisters would take that step as well. As you pray, I would like to say to anyone who knows that it's time for them to step through the door, move from being a religious person who believes in God to placing their faith, their life in the hands of Jesus. would encourage you right now just to if you need to make that commitment to the Lord but also can we talk after service this week I'd like to share with you some important ways to get started in that journey if that's the place that you're at this morning Lord, we all together take a moment and pray for the missionaries on the keychain that's here in our seats. And we lift them up to you. We thank you that you've allowed us to partner with them. And we ask that wherever they are, whatever time of day or time zone they find themselves in, even if it's in the middle of the night, that they would sense your abiding presence they would experience the abundant life that you have to offer. And we conclude, Lord, by praying for ourselves. We confess to you that this is a very strange season of life, new to all of us. But we say yes to your life, God. We say yes to the abundant life. And we agree with you that we can thrive even in unknown times and circumstances. And Lord Jesus, we look forward to this series to take steps closer to you this holiday season. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. I hope that you have just been touched by the Lord today. Whether you've been here since the first service or this is your first time being here today, we pray that you have felt loved and welcomed and that you've been in the presence of God. We're glad that you're here today. Those of you online, we love you too. We're glad that you worship with us. We praise God for you. I want to go this morning just by encouraging you to continue to walk with Jesus. 
to, to continue to walk with the Lord. We can thrive. And I'm so excited about unpacking that over the next couple of weeks. But would you make the commitment today that this week, that no matter what happens, you're going to walk with Jesus. I want to close by sharing the blessing that we receive weekly. If you're comfortable, would you place your hands out to receive the blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so shall it be, O Lord, that we go in peace because you have given us life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.